أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأصحاب جمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته Warm welcome to one and all to our second class in a series entitled Healing or Healthy Living According to the Sunnah where we focus on Quranic and Prophetic Therapeutics uh, it's very important for us to, before we begin, just a short recap. We spoke about the model of Medina. And we said the model of Medina was a perfect model due to the Prophet's perfection in his character. And the fact that he lived his life according to the Quran and his Sahaba, they followed him. And when they searched for purity, they searched for purity in the deen, in economics, their way of thinking, as well as for their physical bodies. So therefore we find that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in many ahadith that there's two favors that, that most people are deceived by and he said, As-siha wal-faragh, it is health and free time. And alhamdulillah, you return here tonight, you have responded to the Prophet's hadith in a positive manner. You have recognized that health is important and you have recognized that you have to sacrifice your free time to attain that health. Allah says, وَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ That if you show thanks to me, I will definitely increase you. So the niyyah today is that Allah must grant us the benefit of our, our class, the benefit of this deen to the fullest, inshaAllah. So we spoke about the importance of health in Islam, and we looked at what happens in our society today, today and we spoke about stress management. We categorize stress under biochemical stress, survival stress, um, stress that comes out, emotions, mental, etc. And we said that one of the most severe stresses on the body would be the environmental stresses because it goes by unnoticed. So just recap, sitting in your office, in the office chair, incorrect posture, the glare of the computer, electromagnetic field from all the modern day equipment, driving to work, noise pollution, reading all the billboards that has effect on the emotions, and the list goes on. So we have to mention this in order for us to appreciate the next topic, which is Sunnah Stress Management. So we're looking at what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and how it affects our stress or decreases our stress. So we begin with hydrotherapy. The definition of hydrotherapy would be hydro water and therapy healing. So healing with water. And the ayah Allah says, وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ That Allah has created everything from water. And we have to remember that 1400 years ago this fact was unknown. There was no technological equipment to prove this. However, about a hundred or so years ago, scientists has come to this conclusion. And then Allah says, Afala yu'minun. A rhetorical question. So will they not believe? So when we look at water in our lives, we said that it has a very significant role in that if, it, if we weren't Muslim, we wouldn't, be so, we wouldn't have such a close connection to water. And we said that civilizations in the past Due to the disconnection to water, they suffered many types of plagues, illnesses, both mental, physical, etc. And when Islam spread, 
Islam was the reason that people became healthy. It was the reason that people progressed in terms of intellectual growth, emotional growth. It was the reason why plagues stopped at the borders of the Islamic empire due to the, the health practices of the believers. So when you look at water, we see that constantly we all appeals to us via nature. The Jannah is described by its rivers of flowing water. Our ultimate um, aspiration is to drink from the pond of Kothar, from the Prophet's hand. We find that if we look at the, the earth, more than two-thirds of the earth is covered in water. The human body, more than two-thirds of the human body consists of water. Children, babies love water naturally. They, 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 um, they grow in a type of water, the amniotic fluid. It's a, it's a, it's a, the, there's a high volume of water. From the sky, Allah sustains the dunya with water. Water sports, we love water sports. We love swimming in all types of water sports. Human beings are naturally inclined and affiliated to water. We enjoy ourselves in water. So from a natural medicine perspective, due to the, the value that Islam placed on water and how Islamic medicine grew from the Prophet hadith, we find the science of hydrotherapy which developed referring to any type of therapeutic method using water internally or externally for treatment of disease. Hydrothermal therapy refers to the use of water for therapy according to the temperature of water. So cold water has the effect on the body, warm water has the effect on the body. So if you want to appreciate water, let's look at the properties of water. Water is the basic element of life, like we said. It is sustaining, it's healing. Water is the best cleaning agent. It's revitalizing. Water can cool, it can heat, it moisturizes. If you look at heat, the effect of heat, it gets rid of cold, it increases blood circulation, it dilates blood vessels, it induces a feeling of relaxation. It can relieve tense muscles. So in the field of natural medicine, the properties of water would be manipulated in order to bring therapeutic benefit to people. If we look at cold, cold does the opposite. Diminishes heat, decreased blood circulation, it can reduce inflammation or swelling. And due to the various properties of water, you find just different types of methods being used. You have baths, saunas, sits baths, um, rubs, steam inhalation, all types of different therapies that, that originates from the use of water. And the therapeutic benefits, it can decrease pain, it can help and improve muscle skeletal problems, in what they call aquatic rehabilitation with people, exercise their joints in, pool, in, in, in a pool or swimming pool in order to relieve the joints, um, take the weight off the joints, but yet strengthen the muscles. But let's look from the Sunnah. The Prophet said that purity is half of faith. So one thing we recognize in Tibanabu where that constantly the ahadith links cleanliness, it links physical hygiene, physical stamina, it links it to Islamic belief. It links it to spirituality. Iman is that factor that will guarantee us an everlasting place in Jannah. And the Prophet said that half of that Iman that's so important for us to succeed rests on purity. To show us that the, the, the purity of the body is very important. Like we said, our lives are, are busy with trying to purify the soul. But the body houses the soul. Therefore, the vessel has to be pure as well. 
in another hadith the prophet said purify these bodies and allah will purify you and while we are talking about a hadith it's very important to mention that the ulama of the past said that just as beneficial and notorious when when one sends salawat to busy oneself with a hadith is just as important because every time we mention the prophet sallallahu name we send salawat we're reviving a sunnah and the difference with this class is that everyone here today will be recorded as those individuals at Taranga road that came out to revive the sunnah to revive prophetic healing on the condition that we apply what we learn here today other hadith the prophet on um, the quran in the quran allah says in surah baqarah inna allah yuhibbul tawwabin wa yuhibbul mutatahhirin once again Allah says that He loves those that repent. Those that commit severe sins and then they repent and Allah connects repentance to purification. He loves those who purify themselves. Because when we turn away from sins, we purify our bodies and our minds and our souls from that sin. But when we, when we purify ourselves with water, it's equally important. We find that Allah says that He has sent down water from the heavens. He has sent down the rain for one reason. In order that we be purified by that water. He says that there are men who purify themselves and Allah loves those men that, that purify themselves. So it's very important that we don't ever underestimate our connection with water. And we look at water at all angles in terms of its properties in a healing fashion. And we also look at it from a spiritual aspect. So we know that everything begins with a niyyah. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Very important, especially the wudu. But is there any scientific significance to this? The Prophet said in a hadith that any matter that is void of Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim will be cut from barakah, will be cut from blessings. So we find that scientists, the likes of Dr. Emoto, done extensive studies on water molecules. And he wrote... Best, uh, the New York Times bestseller, The Hidden Messages of Water. And he looked at water molecules and the effect that dua, the effect that intention, the effect that speech had on water molecules. So in order to understand it better, just a quick um, basic chemistry lesson. Water consists of H2O, two hydrogen molecules held together by oxygen molecule. Water in its ice form assumed a hexagon type of shape. Though that will be the three different forms of water. When water is in the ice form, it forms a hexagon. As it melts, it becomes uh, liquid, so the molecules spread apart. When water is heated, it becomes steam or gas. So you see the molecules separating. So what Dr. Emoto did in his experiments was that he would use certain words. He would use intention. And this would be recited on water. And once it's been exposed to a certain type of intention and wording for a long enough time, he froze the water and he looked under the microscope to see the formation of the molecules. And this is what he found. That water that, wa that was exposed to good intention, to prayer, to dua, assumed a beautiful molecular structure. Water that was exposed to bad intentions, Harmful phrases assume the different structure. So example, this water, the one on the left, uh, it was exposed to the word joy, happiness. The one on the right was exposed to the word kill. Thank you is one 
phrase being used on water, I will kill you. There's another phrase being used on the other water, and that's the effect that he recorded. He, he looked at different prayers. So you must remember in all religions when people pray, they're searching. We know that the Prophet said that we're all created on a fitrah. So that fitrah guides man, it puts positivity in a man to find the truth. So when people pray, they're generally looking for good. And because there is good, the intention is good. So there's vibrations that are sent out. So you notice that when people pray over water, water would assume a certain molecular structure. Before prayer, water will, look a certain, will have a certain appearance, and after prayer, it will have a certain appearance. He did similar studies on rice. And he found, and in his book, he, he says that the only water that didn't require prayer would be the water of Zamzam. When looking at that water, you would see that it had a beautiful molecular structure. So this is very important in terms of, of health, how we approach life. The Prophet said, said that if anything is void from Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, there's no barakah in it. And we know that the entire dunya consists of water. So how important are these words in our lives when we do something? And we know in the past, our parents used to put water on the table and say, recite Surah Fatiha over it and drink the water. And some people would think, where does this come from? And, you know, but at the end of the day, there's a the logic that came down from my forefathers that they followed the deen, sami'ana wa ta'ana. And because of that, they had certain practices. And when we look at it today scientifically, we start to value those practices. And now we start to increase. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So whatever method of knowledge comes your way in order to improve the deen, grab that knowledge, seek that knowledge, because the dunya is filled with it. And this is a perfect example where a non-Muslim reminds us of the importance of intention. So we begin, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In order for us to appreciate the wudu, we have to look at microbes, which basically lives with us. They're unseen because they cannot be seen with the naked eye, but they're everywhere. In the air that we breathe, they're on all the different types of surfaces, everything we touch. Why is this important? Because they, microbes would fall under biochemical stress. The type of stress that we're unaware of, every day we're exposed to it, it creates internal stress because it, it puts every cell at risk. And when that happens, the body goes into a high alert stage. So simple matters that you could manage on a normal day will become more cumbersome due to the stress that's exerted on the body. So we find it all over the office equipments, one of the dirtiest um, equipments around because we're touching it all the time and never gets washed or it just gets sprayed. Um, this is a common sight, having your burger close to your keyboard, wherever food is, food actually promotes the growth of bacteria. Alhamdulillah, that guy is washing his hands. But if you ask most guys, when they go to the toilet, if you ask his brothers here, they'll tell you when they're washing their hands, they notice people in and out of the cubicles without coming past the taps. And the thing is, what areas do they touch? Door handles. I remember in our first microbiology class, we um, are practical. We had to take swabs of different areas and we had to incubate, place them on agar plates. Agar is basically a medium that allows bacteria to grow. So we had to swab our desk, the floor. Some of us had to go to the toilet and swab the toilet floor and the toilet seat. And then we had to place it on the agar plates and allow it to grow for about three weeks. And when we came back and we looked at it, we had to predict what one do you think was the worst? What one do you think was the worst one out of the lot. Our desks was more dirtier than the toilet seats. Why? Because when we come to toilet seats, 
paranoia causes us to take toilet paper, throw water on toilet, and scrub it down. But we never do that with our desks and our hands. We touch different things all the time. So we're exposed to this. Generally, our bodies are strong enough to fend off these agents. However, when they accumulate, they, they overburden the body's defenses. And when you're going through some emotional difficulty, some mental difficulty, that's the time the microbes take over. Modern technology. A recent study has shown that modern technology, especially touchscreen technology, has the most streptococcus and staphylococcus, which are a bacterial infections that leads to tonsillitis and rheumatic fever, severe conditions, are mainly found on touchscreens due to the fact that we never wash our phones. And the amount of staphylococcus and strepto would be more on cell phones and your touchscreen, your iPad, your latest S4, more than it will be on toilet seats. Except you, get, except you buy the newer one, which is waterproof, so you can actually wash it if you want. Okay, let's go into the hudu. So now the mindset is there. So be in mind you're sitting in the office, incorrect posture, electromagnetic um, fields are interrupting your, your fields around your body, clear of the computer, the time of hudu, the time of salah comes. You approach the salah knowing that you're ridding yourself of physical impurity. You're ridding yourself of spiritual impurity. Before you start the wudu, there's a feeling of longing that comes, overcomes you. Because all of a sudden the wudu starts to look at this, like a big, biggest resource of the day. So you start to wash. And um, research has shown that there are more than a million microbes within one cubic centimeter. So say about less than your thumb or your pinky's nail of area on your hand has more than a million microbes disease-causing agents that's wedged, that's sticking to the skin. So when you perform your knee and you start washing, you start cleansing that area. And bear in mind, when you touch water, you're connecting with that element that makes up most of your body. You're connecting that element that connects us to Jannah. You're connecting with that element that makes up the most of the earth. So by touching water, the effect that water has in your body, it moves you out of that area of electromagnetic field that moves you out of the area if you're a panel beater, the fumes of the paint, it takes you out of that area and it prepares you for the salah, it prepares you mentally. And very significant, the Prophet said that those people that perform who do properly, that the sins leave them their body even from beneath their nails. Again, the significance linking sins, which is impurity of the soul, to the impurity of the body. And we know that beneath the nails we find the most microbes. So those people that wash their hands the most is without a doubt the Muslims. And those people that practice a sunnah the most, they wash their hands the most out of all the Muslims. So bear in mind, we'll see as we go on, that what we thought the sunnah to be in terms, we would think the sunnah to be a religious recommendation. By the end of the presentation, inshallah, we'll realize the sunnah is actually an absolute necessity for our day-to-day -day survival. Let's look at the mouth, home to thousands, millions of microbes. And we find that when we rinse the mouth, we actually clear the mouth of germs, of microbes, of that sit between the teeth, that acid-causing microbes, that clogs the throat. And if you, if you practice the wudu according to the Prophet Sallallahu by gargling the throat, you can actually rid yourself of these illnesses. And modern research has shown that people that rinse their mouths often are actually free of 
tonsillitis, of gum infections, of ulcers. And often we find that because we, we view it as the sunnah parts, once we study a bit of fiqh, then we, we become a bit um, knowledgeable about the deen and we think, okay, and I know what is the farad parts, I know what is the sunnah parts. I find out that I don't have to really concentrate on the sunnah parts because the farad will still make the wudu intact. And you practice and all of a sudden it becomes a habit. You just perform the farad. We'll find out soon that all the sunnah parts are those areas that actually prevent the entry points of microbes into the body. The mouth, the nose, the ears. Those are the entry points of microbes. So when you concentrate on the sunnah, you actually increase your immunity. Your taqwa is directly proportionate to immunity. So we find that rinsing the mouth, rinsing it properly, often has an effect on the body. The effect on the muscles of the mouth, gargling, relaxes tension. We know when we are tense, what happens to the jaw? The jaw clenches. The muscle becomes stiff. Some people that suffer from TMJ syndrome or temporal mandibular joint syndrome, which is the jawbone, the joint located about here, they experience a lot of pain due to clenching of the jaw. When gargling the mouth, you strengthen the, the facial muscles. And in certain stress relief exercises, this is recommended to release tension. We find that um, it also reduces the mouth of 90% bacteria. Let's look at the nose. What are the purpose of noses? Not to make plaits, as you can see there. The purpose of the noses is actually to trap bacteria, to catch bacteria. And we see that noses that, that undergoes perfect wudu is free of this bacteria. So research has been done by Islamic universities on noses. Those people that perform wudu and those people that do not perform wudu. And they said that those people that perform wudu according to the sunnah, which is to sniff the water up till the septum, until you feel it burn, and blow it out forcefully, you rid the, the nose of almost 95% bacteria. So almost all the bacteria is out of your nose. So we know it's high fever season. Pollen collects on the inside the nasal passages. Mold, fungi, dust, spores, bacteria collecting throughout the day. But five times a day will do. Rinsing the nose three times will, will, will guarantee you freedom from that bacteria. So if you suffer from high fever, practice correct um, nose will do, and you'll see there's a big benefit. And we find in the, in, in the field of natural medicine, they'll make use of certain nasal sprays to clear the area. But there's no better cleansing mechanism than taught to us by the sunnah. And it's also found that almost, like I mentioned, almost 90, 95% is, is, is it's free from the nose. So that means when it comes to colds and flu and, and seasons, we the the health campaigns speak about washing hands, etc. They don't speak about rinsing the nose. They don't speak about rinsing the mouth. But give it some time. As science catches up with the sunnah, we'll find all these things being mentioned. So like I said in the past, we don't need science to prove the sunnah. The sunnah is valid from now till qiyamah. As time goes on and we find that science progresses, it starts to put the puzzle together. But fortunately for us, that we're Muslim, and we say, and the sahaba, we find that they had no clue on microorganisms and pathology, etc. But they practice what the Prophet said to, the, to perfection. And it was due to that practice that they were free of illnesses. They also suffered illness conditions, but they, they had the best preventative medicine practice. If you look at the face, we find that certain pressure points, known as acupressure points, 
within different fields of Chinese medicine, in tip medicine, fights um, points that stimulate the release of mucus in certain areas, points located on the sinuses when pressed can actually relieve a lot of tension. It increases blood supply, it stimulates the muscles, and we know according to the Sunnah, vigorous uh, facial um, movement is, is required in order to rid the face of all the, all the waste products. And when water is applied to the face, it cleans the, the skin of its pores. And basically all the exposed areas of the body will be, will be washed in the wudu. And this is very important because in natural medicine we recognize the sweat glands as the biggest elimination organ of the body. Because when the body releases sweat, it also releases toxins through that sweat. And if that sweat settles, settles on the skin and forms a residue, the possibility exists that that sweat can be reabsorbed in the body. And when that happens, it, it adds to biochemical stress. So to perform a proper wudu, according to the sunnah, with this knowledge, can transform your wudu. I must mention this last, um, two weeks ago when I gave the intro class, one of the brothers from the CTM family, he came to me after the, after the, the class, and he told me, wow, it feels so great to be Muslim right now. You spoke about the wudu and you told me it has medicinal effects, and I made the wudu and it was the best wudu ever. And we had never even spoke about the wudu. But the mere fact that he tuned his mind that the wudu is more than I think it is, the wudu became something extraordinary for him. And it's got nothing to do with what I say, it's got to do with the passion that he has in his heart for the deen. The passion that he knows without a doubt this deen is the truth. So when knowledge comes to confirm this, that passion causes him to love what he do even more. And that's the point of the class. For us to realize that we have re more resources in our lives than we think. Because the definition of stress is, the feeling, the overwhelming feeling of power, of being um, disempowered or no, no ability to help yourself due to a lack of resources. And we have to know that within the deen, every aspect of the sunnah is the biggest resource. If only we look deeper, we look at scientific knowledge, we look at the spiritual benefits and we compile, compile all of that together, like the people of Medina, and practice a holistic Islam. Let's look at the, the, the washing of the arms. And be in mind when you, when the, when the fiqh explains the washing of the arms, going past the elbow, and the vigorous washing ensuring that water reaches every part, it mimics the washing that surgeons would do in, for, before surgery, the scrub, it mimics that in terms of washing the hand clean of bacteria of waste. It also promotes blood circulation. And we know that the extremities are the areas of the body that receives the least circulation. And by stimulating blood circulation, we improve conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, varicose veins, etc. Another important factor would be the lymphatic system, which doesn't have a pump. The circulation system has a pump, the heart, which pumps the blood through the body. But the lymphatics doesn't have a pump, so it relies on muscle movement in order to be effective. So by performing proper wudu, you're actually facilitating lymph drainage. The important of the lymph glands is those nodes that you see actually collect bacteria from the armpit, from the neck region, from the nose. So when bacteria enters the throat, the body starts attacking that bacteria and it's collected in the lymph, and lymph nodes which later on moves to the excretory parts of the body. We look at the, the facial, the forehead. There's also different acupressure points located on the temples, 
on the forehead. And when these areas are stimulated, it can relieve one from congestion headaches. It can relieve ones from migraines. These various types of headaches they can be relieved from a simple wipe of water across the forehead with the intention. So remember we spoke about the hadith where the Prophet said that Allah is to his slaves the way the slaves thinks of Allah. If you think of Allah in terms of this great, magnificent creator that can relieve you of all your problems through your wudu, Allah will grant you that. So approach the wudu in a different light. Look at it as a resource instead of abdas. I'm going to make clear quick. I'm going to just throw water on the body. Look at it as a, as a massage, as a stimulating thing. The Prophet said, as the water drips, so too will the, sin drip, the sins drip from the body. So likewise, we connect that to the physical cleanliness as well. Let's look at the ears. So we know that the ears is also an entry point for bacteria. And various types of infections can take place, like otitis media, which is ear infections of the outer ear and the inner ear. And we know that the wax of the ear is designed to actually trap those bacteria. By cleaning the ears regularly, we clean the surfaces, we clean the area of dust, etc. But also in the field of natural medicine, reflex, reflexology, it recognizes that, that the ears um, forms a type of map of the body in terms of each part of the ear would be channeled to a certain organ in the body, according to reflexology. So if you look at the ear lobe at the bottom, you see the eyes. If you just press on, your eye on the, on the ear, ear lobe and you'll see your eyes will blink. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I couldn't resist, sorry. Most of the ladies done it. Okay, but if you approach a reflexologist, I'll explain the details and I'll explain the mechanism of action behind this. Okay, the feet, another area, and I know no one's going to believe me now, but it's also points linked through the different channels of the body, stimulating the feet in different areas, linked to certain organs. And we find that the wudu is explained, that there's to, water has to cover each part, wipe between the toes, um, ensure that you go past the ankles, etc. And when this is combined with a massage, pressing the foot in certain areas, you actually relieve yourself of a lot of tension. So think about it, you're running around the office the whole day, between the photocopier, meetings, and your PC, etc. But performing a wudu with water, the cooling water, touching your feet, pressing in certain areas, cleansing it, and with that consciousness that it has an invigorating feeling, it will refresh in you. And at the end of the day, the Hadith al-Bawasalam speaks about the day of Qiyamah, that his Ummah will come with bright faces and limbs due to the traces of wudu. So the Prophet says, so whoever is able to, increase your brightness on that day. So the Prophet linked the wudu to a, a great status on the day of Qiyamah. But as we can see scientifically, it can be used for your stress management program every day. So consciously think about it. But be in mind, you have to remind yourself. Because what happens is, when you're in the office and things happen, and it's time to make salah, you tend to be in that habit. We're all human. But when we remind ourselves that the wudu is more than just, just water touching the skin, it has a way of releasing stress, it has a way of calming us down, it has a way of releasing ourselves of sins, we will get that. I have to apologize that um, the notes that I gave, I, only, I'm only, I can only concentrate on the core notes. So the notes for this evening concentrates on the physical postures or the postures of Salah, and that's, that's the core of the, the lesson tonight. I'm unable to give notes on everything that I speak about, because as the topic goes on, we delve into other areas. 
But the main area of futur this evening would be the postures of the prophets referring to salah. Also, I call it healing in motion, where the different postures has major significance to every aspect of our life. And um, we find that the salah, there is no um, irony why the, the deen is connected to physical postures, as we mentioned, that our spirituality is closely linked to exertion. And we find that the Prophet was the most physical fit individual. Therefore, he could perform long hours of tajud. And as he increased in his long hours, his spirituality will increase. So we see this uh, a positive growth. So when we look at the postures of the Prophets of, or healing in motion, we have to look at chronobiology. So before we even go to the Salah and look at the postures, we have to recognize that the awqat, the waqt, Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Shah. The allocation of that time during the day is by no coincidence. Everything within Islam is done with a wisdom. And we find that the pre, according to the prescribed times, one is perfectly attuned to the motion of the planets, to the motions of the sun, of the moon, to seasonal changes. The Fajr you perform in summer on a certain day will be the same every year in terms of the, the allocation or the, 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 the distance of the sun from the earth and the moon from the earth. And it harmonizes different um, geographic locations. Fajr in this country will be the same in the next country in terms of how the, the, the dawn, the break of dawn. So we find that Allah has designed this deen according to our connection with nature, whether we like it or not. So therefore we say that when we are connected to nature, we function best as human beings. So chronobiology is a science looking at the effects of certain time periods on the human body, on ourselves. And the study of those time periods is called um, nature's biorhythms or natural biorhythms. So this phenomenon exists if you speak to some psychologists, certain psychiatrists, they'll let you know on a certain time of every month, full moon, whale syndrome. People turn into wheels. Things happen in psychiatric wards. Certain illness conditions flare up due to our connection with nature. And um, within Fajr, we see there's a certain change in the in the in, in the color of the sun. There's a change in the sky. So when we look at chronobiology, there's a connection between the light, the sun, the darkness, and what happens inside our body. At night, when we want to go sleep. It's not merely a fact that, or uh, intention that we have, I feel to go sleep and your body relaxes. There's certain hormonal changes that takes place in your body. Um, the hormone is called melatonin, the hormone that induces sleep. And throughout the day, adrenaline and cortisol is high in the body. These are energizing hormones. As the day changes to night, it triggers the release of melatonin, which rises. As this hormone rises, we find it induces a type of relaxation. So after Maghrib, you begin to relax and calm down. As it becomes darker, this hormone rises even more. So after Isha, it becomes perfect for you to actually go and sleep. If you go and sleep, according to the Sunnah, like the Prophet mentioned, shortly after Isha, you'll find that as the night progresses to the morning again, certain changes take place in the atmosphere again. The sun starts to rise. These changes in the light that's so minute, only your photoreceptors in your eye can pick it up. As your photoreceptors pick that up, the body starts to increase melatonin around about Fajr time. Melatonin decreases and your energizing hormones starts to rise. 
So science has proven that the walks of salah correlates directly to your energy levels within your body. So if you're up at Fajr time, you're coinciding with a rise of energy levels in your body. Therefore, you find the most productive of people would be those up at Fajr. Whatever uh, task you um, assign to after Fajr, you will have the highest mental alertness, the most productivity. So you find people learning Hifth, the memory is best after Fajr. You find people doing business after Fajr or planning anything. So therefore we find in, in natural medicine, they often mention the best time to meditate would be at dawn because it clears the mind and they give all this explanation. But within Islam we know that Allah says that we have to be up that time. The Prophet said that um, Fajr is a blessed waqt. That Allah, the two raka'ahs of Fajr is worth more than his entire dunya. So we find that when the believers up at Fajr time, there's a magnificent event that takes place in the cosmos and within his body. And when he aligns himself to that event by obeying Allah, he becomes a more productive human being. And we find throughout the day, this, the, the energy levels of cortisol and adrenaline starts to rise and melatonin disappears. So about 9 o'clock you're the most productive. So you're going to work, you sit in traffic, traffic, etc. takes a bit of energy away. As you eat work, you can start planning your day. Around about 12 o'clock, Zawal, every human being on the face of the planet has an energy low. Because the cortisol and the adrenaline level starts to drop again. If you were to try to concentrate on work at that time, you're going against the body, body's energy levels. When the waqt of um, the heart comes, you stimulate the energy levels again by touching water, moving out of your area, clearing the mind, preparing yourself for salah. And when you return from salah, you, you focus. However, if you sit at your desk and think that the uh, heart takes 20 minutes, I need to do six hours of work. There's no way I can fit the now. Tonight I'm going to make tarawih. You're kidding yourself. And we know that if you push it and you go for long hours, the body needs, the, needs a rest. Allah says that man and jinn has been created for one purpose, to worship Allah. We have not been created for work. However, when we worship Allah according to his pattern and according to his time, we become the most productive in our work. So throughout the day, the energy levels goes up and down. And we find as the energy levels dip, the next walk comes in to re-energize us so that we can be the most productive human beings that we can be. This happens even after Asr. If you were to go home in traffic after Asr without performing Asr Salah, that it would mean that you would be void of being in contact of the intention. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You'll be void of being in contact with water. You, you'll miss all the, the, the postures of Salah. You wouldn't be able to ground yourself and increase blood circulation and remove relative mental stress. So you hit traffic. And you're sitting in traffic and it's heated and it's the heart of summer. And you reach home more stressed out than ever. So be in mind that there's a lot of, uh, we cannot go into detail with every um, form of science when it comes to the salah and it comes to the, we, I can only touch on certain things, but chronobiology is a, is a big field and it concentrates in different, I'm only looking at the, the energy levels, these different types of um, other cellular responses that it stimulates as well. The changes that take place doesn't only happen in the body. It doesn't only happen in the cosmos, in terms of planets, it happens in the air. This, the color of red that we see after dawn, within natural medicine there's a science known as color therapy. The effect that colors have on the body. Viewing certain things in certain colors does something to the body. Seeing the Kaaba for the first time, 
seeing Arafa, the complete area of white, all the Muslim face in white, someone that's very stressed out, seeing the ocean, seeing a field of, of green grass or field of daisies. So the light of Fajr, the redness has an effect on the nervous system, on the, on the autonomic and parasympathetic nervous system. It can stimulate it and uplift it. At Fajr time, due to the changes of light, it affects a gas known as O3 gas. This gas is only available at Fajr. And it is said that this gas can actually increase your mental faculty. So therefore, if you come out of Fajr, spiritually uplifted, physically uplifted, psychologically uplifted, uplifted, because you stood next to people in Salah, in Jama'ah, and you inhale this gas, it starts your day on the, on the best note possible. So be in mind, when you go out tomorrow morning for Fajr and you see that light, think about what we spoke about. Think about the effects. And as you think about it, it has an effect in your body. It has an appreciation in your body. And that's how we maximize our resources. So in order for us to actually appreciate the Salah, it consists of smooth, flowing, easy motions which goes along the body's lines. It stimulates the circulation system, the nervous system, the muscle skeletal system. But for us to actually have appreciation of the blood circulation, we just have to look at anatomy a bit. So the red blood cells are arteries. Arteries carries oxygenated blood from the lungs to the rest of the body. So the lungs, um, the heart pumps the blood, and the red blood cells would be the one that we call oxygenated blood. So as the heart pumps, the blood cells goes through the arteries to every part of the body. It takes oxygen, nutrients, hormones, everything, every, every cell of the body needs to, to be efficient. And at the same time, it takes away waste products. When we come back, we'll, we'll um, discuss this again. Um, shukran. Just one announcement is that um, if you can return as soon as possible after the Farad Salah, you can make your sunnahs and return and not wait for the du'a because um, usually they have a long du'a at, the, at, the, at this masjid, which is sometimes 10 to 15 minutes. So the request is that you do return immediately after the Salah, inshallah to proceed with the class. Jazakumullah. We can ask the men to please leave first. Uh, when the men have left, we ask the sisters to leave after that. Shukran. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Continuing the important healing postures of Salah. For us to get appreciation, we said that we have to understand a bit about the circulation system since each posture of the Salah contributes to regulating, stimulating different areas of circulation. So let's go through it again. The anatomy we said consists of arteries. Arteries are responsible for supplying oxygenated blood to the entire body, to every cell of the body. So the heart pumps the blood, our lungs inhale oxygen, attaches the oxygen to the blood, the heart pumps the blood, each um, red blood cell molecule consists of oxygen, nutrients, hormones, all the essential elements that each cell needs to survive. So it transports it to every part of the body. When it transfers it, it swaps or it exchanges it for deoxygenated cells, taking away carbon dioxide, waste products, metabolic waste products. So essentially, the, 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 the role of oxygenated and deoxygenated blood is to detoxify the, the body, to provide every organ with nutrients to allow the body to function better. So it's well known, known in medical science, if the circulation is optimum, then all the functions of the, 
different organs will be optimum. However, whenever circulation is impeded for any reason, like we have in our workplaces where we incorrect posture, sitting for prolonged times, we find different types of um, illnesses arising, varicose veins, we find that these um, um, cold extremities, we can worsen our blood pressure, we can worsen diabetes. So incorrect posture in our workplaces is very common and we find that it, it counts for neck tension, shoulder tension. Most of our stress sits in our neck area and that can lead to congestion headache, it can lead to cloudy, um, our cloud our mental faculties, basically decrease our mental alertness. So if you look at, at Salah, we see that it's easy flowing, it's along the body's postures. There's no posture that's too hard on the body except if you're suffering from some type of condition. And if you look at different types of exercises out there, the exercises can either be aerobic types of exercises or more um, low uh, extremity exercises. So you'll find people always looking for a balance. But if you look at the Salah, we'll see it's a perfect balance in terms of stimulating various postures or various systems of the body. So let's look at the first posture. So bear in mind, you're sitting at your desk, you're busy on the computer, lots of tension in the neck, incorrect posture. You're sitting on a chair that's not high enough. The correct posture for your chair should be that the feet would be properly grounded where the leg, where the knee makes a right angle. So that's the height of the chair. The arm should be placed horizontal or vertical onto the table. The hand should be straight as opposed to at the angle which impedes blood flow. Blood flow. When this happens and you're sitting correctly, you lead to conditions like carpal tunnel syndrome, um, rotator cuff syndrome, you, you, you feel tingling in the fingers, etc. So being in mind, all the stresses are on the body when, you, when you're at your workplace. Whatever your profession, the body, you push your body into awkward positions on the building, panel beat, etc. Time of Salah comes, you perform that wudu consciously, knowing that it relieves the body of physical impurities, it refreshes the body. Now you stand on the Musalla. Before you say Allahu Akbar, your feet is grounded. There's no other time of the day when you are standing stationary. So the weight of the body is equally balanced across the feet. At that time, when you relax the arms, it relaxes the shoulder, the neck and the back. When you look on your place of sujood, your, your eyesight is visioned. The, the vision, your, your, your vision is sharpened as you focus on increase your concentration. It further loosens the upper and lower back. And the higher and lower centers of the brain unite for singleness of purpose. So it brings the mind under the control of the intellect. Throughout the day, the mind is, is, is moving from here to there. You're not concentrating on what you're doing. But if you enter the salah with the correct niyyah, you can actually control the mind and control the intellect. So when you cross the hands and you start to recite every vowel in the Arabic language, the, the letters of mud, like they call it in, in Tajweed, the letters of A, E, U has a vibratory effect on the organs of the body. So it's, it's said, according to Tib, that it stimulates the thyroid, the pituitary, the adrenal, the lungs, purifying and uplifting those organs simply by saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So as you recite, depending on the beautification of your recitation, so you find that those people are progressing in Tajweed. When you perfect your Tajweed, it means that you bring out every vowel to perfection. And by doing that, it has an effect on the emotions, it has an effect on the body. When you go a step further and you go into the, the different maqama, different tunes of recitation to beautify it further, one step above that is to understand what you're reciting. 
And when, that com- when all the combinations are reached, you heighten your salah, you, light- you heighten your, re- your reliance on Allah. So you stand on your salah, re- realizing that you're handing the matter over. So whatever stresses you have, you're actually handing the matter over. And if you are able to control the mind at that time, your body will be receptive to the benefits as well. So as you stand and you cross the hands, the legs and the lower back find further relaxation. So you'll see that as the letters are pronounced and whatever sounds occurs in the Surah Fatiha, different organs are stimulated. When you go into Rukur, and uh, the Prophet said, uh, or the Sahaba described the Prophet Sallallahu Rukur, as um, they said that his back would be horizontal. If you put, put a cup of water on the back, it wouldn't move. And we find the muscles that benefit the most from a perfect ruku. if you were to um, stretch the back properly or make the back straight, you'll find that the abdominal muscles will be stretched. So the quickest way to good abs is a good ruku. So the ruku is actually an ab master and a fat buster. So for all those guys and girls, you want to perfect your abs, you're all doing crunches and stuff, do a good ruku and you'll see that abs pop out. Other organs that stimulated would be organs found in the GIT or lower back, like the kidneys. All these muscles in the upper leg, lower leg, the calves, the buttocks, gluteus, maximus, etc., those muscles will be stretched. So remember that when uh, the blood circulates, if it circulates optimally, the organs function better. When you perform a ruku, all the organs or all the, the faculties in the upper body will receive oxygenated blood. So the eyes, the ears, the brain, the neck, the, the facial area, the chest, because um, blood moves with gravity. When you return from the ruku and back in the, the upright position, the blood returns to the lower parts of the body. So it takes away the waste products, the um, deoxygenated blood, the carbon dioxide, the metabolic waste from the eyes, the ears, so it can help decrease tension in the muscles. Because you find muscles become tense due to a buildup of lactic, lactic acid, due to a buildup of waste products, which occurs due to our stressful lifestyle. So in the ruku, you can relieve tension in the neck. So just be in mind, by having consciousness of it, you increase the efficacy of the, of the salah, the beneficial effects of salah. When you go into sujood, which is considered the the closest that you can get any slave can get to Allah. You can't get close to Allah than your sujood. And known as the, the posture of humility. We find that the brain, the facial area, in that posture it receives the best oxygenated blood. And we find all these various systems being stimulated. When the knees are close to a right angle, we find that it, ha- it helps to remove flabbiness in the midsection. So if you, if you find you have flabbiness in your midsection, you're not performing sujood properly. Choke. It's only a joke. <laughs> so be in mind that each partial salah can strengthen the ab muscles. It can tone the muscles. For joint elasticity, it works the best for your knees. For it, it, the, the, the bones in the, in, the, in the foot, the ankle, all the joints, the elasticity is increased. And as, as we said earlier on, with the increase in blood flow and moving to different areas, it takes away toxins from certain areas. The, the posture of sujood is said to um, aid fetal positioning for pregnant women. But be in mind that this has to be done according to your practitioner's advice. Once you return f- from the second sujood, you'll find that there's a complete oxygenation of the entire body that took place. So in one raka'ah, every part of the body received perfect oxygenated blood. 
as opposed to sitting stationary somewhere in an incorrect posture. So the Salah aligns our body to its natural way. It aligns the body to the tune or harmonizes up with the earth. As you know, in fiqh, we are required to perform Salah on a flat surface. The, the entire dunya is a masjid connecting us to the earth. The Salah requires us to look at the changes in the sun and connecting with the external part of, the, of our, what we call the macrocosm. So everything is connected to nature. The, the prerequisite of Salah would be the wudu to take us out of its area of stress and help us manage our lives better. When we return from, um, we complete our salah, we sit in the, in the posture of tashahud. And in this posture, according to the fiqh of Imam Shafi'i, he requires you to raise the right foot. And when this is done, it, it uh, decreases the space in the um, lower abdomen. So we find this pressure on the liver. Within natural medicine, the liver is known as the metabolic faculty or the organ of detoxification. And when pressure is placed on any organ, it means that blood rushes out of that organ. And once again, when blood rushes out, it takes away toxins and waste products. And when the blood circulation returns to that organ, new blood enters that organ. So it aids detoxification. Sitting in that posture also facilitates what we call peristalsis. So it moves food along the digestive tract. So it can lessen constipation, it can lessen heartburn depending if this is in line with the sunnah in terms of dietary means as well. So it moves food along the large intestine, it can aid digestion, it forces the stomach contents lower down, but overall it provides relaxation, a contentment, that you, con- you completed your salah, that you fulfilled your purpose, for your purpose on this dunya, that you have performed salah or you... Um, taking part in a prayer, that's the posture of the prophets, the mi'raj of the believer. So when we enter our salah, combining all the knowledge that we have of salah, the spiritual knowledge, knowing that the Prophet said that if a river flows in front of a house and you were to bathe in the river five times a day, you ask the sahaba, would that person be pure? The sahaba said definitely, and he said this is the salah. So when we go into the salah with that consciousness and knowing we're handing the matter over, but we also go with that consciousness that we're going to relieve tension, that it will aid digestion. We, 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 but when we do that, we will be living a holistic, a holistic Islam. So when we look at the postures in, in totality, and you just concentrate on the faraid salah, only the farals of the day, we see that within a full day of 17 raka'ahs, there will be 119 physical postures per day. This adds up to 3,500 postures a month, 42,000 a year. And in a lifespan of, say, 40, 40 years, 1,700,000 postures. So if you were to go to a sports, a sports scientist or physical um, instructor and ask him about the advice in terms of doing these postures and the, all the organs and stimulate, he'll tell you that it's one of the best exercise programs. But bear in mind, the salah is not meant for exercise. It is meant for, as the ayahs say, that we've been created to worship Allah. But when we worship Allah according to His way, all the organs of the body is stimulated, it's uplifted, it's purified, it's maintained. Like we said in the past, if you look at the creation of man or the creation of the universe, we see perfection. If man leaves the, the universe or leaves a jungle or a garden area or an ecosystem untouched, the ecosystem thrives. There's a perfect balance between predator and prey. When man interrupts, he, does, he, he, throws, he throws it out of balance. 
but everything still moves to a self-regulatory system. It still auto-recovers. So we find that when we align ourselves, like nature is perfectly maintained by Allah because it fulfills its purpose, we will be maintained. Our daily stresses that we suffer from, our salah can be a means to alleviate it or lessen it. Not to say that we cannot rely on other forms of therapies. It's important for us to realize that within Islam we have a perfect Islamic model of preventative medicine. And if we practice it to the fullest, we'll find that our health will improve. Our mental capabilities will improve. Our emotions will become more stable alongside seeking professional help, etc. So if you look at the Salah, we'll see that it's easy flowing motions of the body in different postures, aligning us to the, to the sun, to the moon, to the earth, taking us to different phases of our lives. From, from young, we'll find children um, imitating the parents at a young age, having this inclination to worship Allah, having this inclination to throw their faces on the ground. And therefore, we shouldn't use this and forget it as an important resource in our lives. So what we will do in the upcoming um, lectures to follow, we're going to concentrate on some faraid. The important thing is that if we see the benefits in our farad, then we'll be more inclined towards the sunnah. And later on we'll start to indulge into the sunnah and we'll see, especially sunnah nutrition, we're going to have a look at that. And we'll look at the different aspects in nutrition. We're going to look at the emotional aspects of illnesses. We're going to look at some spiritual healing, the importance of, of our ibadah in terms of how it increases our immunity, etc. So that's the end of tonight's lecture. I just have to um, bring some good news to the community, to our people of Cape Town. That it's my pleasure to introduce the, the Sama Center. The Sama Center is a center of integrative health. It's a center that's based on a multidisciplinary approach, based on Islamic medicine. So it's very significant to this class because we're speaking about the integrative approach, the, the importance of combining spirituality, of combining good nutrition, of combining um, different professionals in the field to manage health as opposed to looking at wealth, at health from one dimension. The Sama is a center that's located in Skarkral and uh, the area that was chosen was specifically chosen due, for, due to its location close to nature in terms of farm area, so it's in a quiet surrounding uh, that's close to the ocean, so you can feel and smell the sea breeze, the air is crisp, you're, you're not too far away from the suburb, but there's no sound of cars, or, and if you look at the center, you'll see there's a lot of attention paid to detail, so you'll see there's a perfect blend of colors in the center. So this is the foyer of the center. Um, uh, care has been taken in terms of color therapy, knowing that certain colors have an effect on the body. So blue stimulating tranquility, so the sight of the area, sitting down in the area. There's a lingo of lavender in, in the rooms. Um, this is the, what we call the life glow room. The room, it's um, a room that's going to be manned by a, a natural practitioner, a tip practitioner, or a naturopath, looking at lifestyle, a holistic approach to lifestyle. So all practitioners at the center will be recognized and registered under the Allied Health Professionals Council. So you can be screened for cholesterol, blood pressure, etc. But the center aims to look at health holistically. So giving you those self, self-help therapies to help you every day with your condition. So yes, we find that the, the public health care sector would be under-resourced due to the, the amount of patients. 
So the synthesis is not a place whereby we say we, we, we shun um, um, chemical type of medicine, etc. Whatever medication you're on, if you come to the center, we'll look at the illness in a different, we provide what they call cushion therapy. So someone's on high blood pressure medication. The medication is designed to bring down the blood pressure, but we are going to look at the cause. What, what lifestyle are you leading? What are the emotional factors? What are those things that you can change every day in your lifestyle to actually aid bringing that blood pressure down so that you do not have to add to blood pressure medication? If you have a, a, a big array of blood pressure meds with your blood thinners and your cholesterol medication, we can look at the side effects of the medication and, and treat that via diet, etc. Another um, important feature of the center would be the child therapy room, known as Earth Child where psychological counselors would look at children and provide certain type of games that are specifically designed to root out the emotional excesses that children suffer from in terms of anger, low, low self-esteem, to find things that can actually grow into something bigger, to find it at an early age. So we know that our children face a big, a big threat in terms of media. They are watching all types of images daily in front of us and we are unaware that this has impact on the children's lives at the fix their health, at the fix their self-esteem. So it's very important to understand that the center looks at the health of people from a grassroots level right up. This is one of the biggest attractions of the center. It's called chromosensation. Combining color therapy and massage therapy. So within tip medicine you'll find that color and the use of, of ether, ether that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi used developed into a science of aromatherapy. So oils will be chosen according to your body type. We'll discuss temperament at a later stage. So you'll find that depending on your ideal circumstance or your special circumstance, a team will, will, will sit together, a multidisciplinary team, and plan how they tackle the situation. So a, a person suffering from high blood pressure in this job requires this type of massage with this type of oil, with this dietary plan. Does it fit in the person's budget? Is it manageable? Can the person actually approach this dietary plan? Is it overburdening the person? Does the person need counseling? And by tackling every illness from a multidimensional approach, you can lessen the burden of the illness because each aspect will take away a, a percentage of that strain that it puts on the body. So ultimately, we want to decrease the blood pressure with all the other help, but to give patients, to educate them on self-help. So chromosensation works with color therapy. So different colors, different frequencies tuned to different bodies. Another aspect based on the sunnah, as we spoke with hydro, we spoke about hydrotherapy would be healing waters. Looking at the different healing properties of waters at different temperatures with different conditions. In our society today, it's totally unacceptable to say that pain can only be relieved via medication because there is a large array of therapeutic options out there that's scientifically validated, that's registered and approved by the Allied Health Professional Council. There's 11 modalities of natural medicine, each one providing their type of pain relief, from acupuncture to acupressure to cupping to massage, aromatherapy, reflexology. And there's, there's many journals available. The journals are increasing. Evidence-based medicine is showing that the world is moving towards integrative medicine, combining the best of modern-day medicine and traditional medicine based on science. So it's not that the center is based on traditional medicine and not on science. It's important to know that science has to back up the therapies. 
So we don't practice therapies that doesn't show efficacy. Tranquil skies, as you can see, names were chosen for each room following a certain theme. Within the names, there's, a, there's an undertone of healing. Within the room, there's subtleness in terms of its color, the approach of the counselor. People are very, the, the, the team, it's a dynamic team of health professionals working together to put the patient in the middle and not look at the patient as a mechanical being governed by symptoms, looking at the patient as a spiritual individual, an emotional individual. So tranquil skies would be the counseling room where people can enter in a protected, confidential, safe environment and let things out in order to aid the healing. The center also have an, what we call enlightenment zone, a conference seminar room, which is designed for healthy living workshops to be conducted on a regular basis for families, for children, calligraphy, healing via the Quran, prophetic medicine with practical, where we make um, mixtures of dates, honey, where we make mixtures of black seed and honey, where we demonstrate cupping, we, we, we mix different types of herbs. Around the center, there's a huge gardening area where we're going to be growing organic herbs and vegetables. So there'll be organic markets on weekends where you can find pot plants of different herbs, use it at home. You can bring your family, having a mom and child's day where mom and, and, the, and the children grow herbs together or look after their garden area, take herbs home, use it in the tea, crush herbs up, use it on the skin as a massage, etc. So the center aims to introduce health in a dynamic fashion. So for instance, if someone's diagnosed with, with um, diabetes, the method that is currently used doesn't work in that that person undergoes a low GI diet with medication and they're confined to that only. The entire family has to be called in, from the two-year-old right up to the granny. And everybody has to be assessed because if your child follows the diet that you had, you are setting them up for diabetes. If your child is running around with a big packet of jelly tots, you are straining their pancreas. So we want to create a proactive way of looking at health. So the whole family has to adapt, adopt a low GI diet. Because you cannot let our parents suffer alone. We have to move away from a consistent dalchi mentality, whereby we have lots of functions, and the functions, the food is designed to clog arteries, it increase blood pressure. We have to give our parents an option. I know on Mondays at our center, uh, at Sarki Bartman Center, often the doctors will know all our patients are coming in with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high sugar. And then they say, Doctor, sorry, we went to a Hadat. We went to a Nikah. We went to a Dukmal. And the, that's the excuse. And these events are supposed to be spiritually uplifting events, meaning it's supposed to put you on another level. But alongside that, it shouldn't come at the expense of the body. So the, the model of Medina shows us that alongside our spirituality, our physical health should increase. So therefore, the center is, going to, is designed to train people on healthy options. So we can still have the samosa because we can't live without samosas. But try the air fryer. Try a samosa that can be baked in the oven. Try, you know, I don't know if you can get the oil-free dalchi. Someone can tell me if you can. Or, you know, because sisters dip it in honey. Or, you know... The, explore different types of recipes. So we have to look at health differently and the center is a, is a wonderful place to do that and we welcome practitioners, complementary healers, bring your ideas to the center. Whatever idea you put on, on, on the table, the, the, the facilitators, the directors of the center welcomes the ideas. So as we speak, people are coming with ideas, they're passionate, things that they thought never could happen, the center will allow. 
We have fitness training center for, we, for women and men. Pink gloves so that the wives can sort out their husbands. And we have instructors to train you in Muay Thai, in Pilates, in all the different types of exercises suited for your body type. Food, leave the best for last. To show you that healthy food can be enjoyable. It's a misconception in our society that you can't enjoy food. We have to have a lot of oil with it. Bear in mind, our forefathers could have healthy lives because the food at the time it was organic. They walked a lot. They lived different lives to what we're living. However, the Muslim community in Cape Town, we find that we are a minority, yet we have the highest case of, of heart disease, the highest blood pressure cases. So what we're doing isn't working.